0: Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today.
1: Welcome, Hillside Assembly. If you're able to, we'd love if you'd stand and sing and worship God with us. Whether right now you're feeling happy, sad, angry, anxious, no matter how you're feeling we still have joy when we're in God's presence. We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who. Ever- holds the victory yeah there's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out our praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet we shout out our praise we shout out God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who ever will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Today, in the house of the Lord, our God is sure. Made. We, we sing, sing to, to the God the who always makes a way. Cause He hung up on that cross, then He and rose up from the grave. My God, still rolling stones away. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy. House of the Lord, our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. Be quiet, we We shout out
0: Is there anybody in the house that loves Jesus today? Woo! You can be seated for just a moment. We've got a couple of announcements that we want to run your way, let you uh, get caught up on all the things that are happening here at Hillside. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here. We are excited that you're here today. If you're a guest with us, Please stop out at our table in the foyer because we've got some free gifts we would love to give you. There are also lots of people that would love to connect with you, get to know you a little bit. We'd also love for you to fill out a card so that we can have some information to follow up with you this week, answer any questions you might have about our church. Uh, we're excited for today because God wants to speak to your heart, Amen. Because that's why we came to church. We came to meet with God, and we're going to have a great time today. A couple things to make you aware of that are coming up here right around the corner. Uh, we're still looking for ladies who want to h- sign up for our hospitality team. Uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, you can sign up on one of these lovely clipboards that is going to be going through the aisles here in just a moment. Uh, this is the last week we're going to let it go through the aisles, so sign up today. Don't miss out on that opportunity because we need people to help. Amen? Amen. The pastor cute by himself. by a luncheon. We're going to do a nacho taco bar. We'd love to have your help with that. Uh, There are things that you can sign up for on the foyer, on the table, on what you can bring to help us out with that. That would be fantastic, but we're going to have a great time having a meal together next week, so I hope you'll join us for that. Wednesday, February 7th, uh, we're going to have our Bible study on that Wednesday and then following. Uh, Anybody who would like to sing on the 14th, we're going to do a quick run-through of the songs that we're going to sing on the 14th, because Wednesday the 14th, uh, we're going to go around to a couple of our assisted living facilities and sing some songs about love and let some residents know that they are loved by God, and we would love for you to come with us uh, and sing that night. So uh hope, to, hope that we'll have a good turnout for that, so we'll practice on the 7th. Uh, Sunday 25th is our annual business meeting, so please don't forget about that. We'll have more information about that next week uh, and some special information to talk about some things that we'll be doing at the business meeting. We'll give you that information next week. Uh, finally, on Friday, March first, um, at seven p.m., we have reserved tickets for the herd. We need; those are reserved for the next three weeks. After that, those tickets are released. So, if you'd like to go with us, uh, purchase those tickets. Uh, there are eighteen-dollar uh, tickets, but all the seats have backs to them. Uh, so. Uh, All of us said amen, because we're all getting too old to sit in places that don't have backs for our back. Um, And so we would love for you to come out. Uh, We've got 20 tickets reserved. There's 18 or 16 tickets left, uh, so get those tickets soon. You can just take your phone, go over that QR code, it'll take you right to the website to purchase those, or if you need help with that, just stop by the church office. We'd be happy to purchase those tickets uh, for you. Uh, Just stop by and let us know. Uh, Several people aren't here this morning. They're out sick, including my wife. We've got a few people out with RSV. We also have several people out traveling. We've even got a ministry team out doing ministry this morning uh, at another church. So uh, we're going to pray for all of those things in just a moment. Uh, We do want to let you know, uh, we just found out for sure last night, Eldon Benton's funeral service will be tomorrow at 11 a.m. It is going to be in Littlefield, Texas, Uh, But we are going to stream that here at Hillside Assembly at 11 a.m. If you'd like to come and be a part of that, you can do that here. Of course, you can watch it on your own. We did send out an email this morning with that link. Uh, If you didn't get that and you want that link, uh, just give me a call or talk to me at the end of service, and I'll make sure that you have that information so that you can watch that. Let's go ahead and pray, Uh, and we're just going to believe God's going to do great things. Amen? Amen. Amen? Lord, we thank you so much to be in your house today, and Lord, we know that your word is going to speak to us. Lord, we're going to have a moment of communion in just a few minutes. Lord, and I pray that we would just take them time, Lord, for you to seek our heart. Lord, if there are things in in our heart that aren't right with you, we would make those things right. Lord, that this worship experience is about focusing in on you. If we can make things right with you, we can make things right with others. Uh, And Lord, we just pray that you would move powerfully in this service today. We give you praise, glory, and honor. We pray for those who are sick, that, Lord, you would heal them. Lord, we pray for Eldon Benton's family, that, God, you would minister to them tomorrow through that funeral service. And, Lord, we pray that you would put us where you need us to be when you need us to be there. In Jesus' mighty name, God's people said? Amen. Let's see what Jeb has to say to us, and then we'll go back into worship. (gasps) Do you know what time it is? It's time for the A.G. Express Kids Ministry. So at this time, if all the kiddos can get up on their feet and head to the back door with Miss Jackie, we're going to have a great time down in Kids Church. Let's go!
1: If you'd like to stand with us again, we're going to sing about a God who is great. If you'd like to have a seat and grab a hold of our elements that symbolize the bread and the cup Jesus's body and his blood I want to start out by saying we all make mistakes we do things we shouldn't sometimes they're on purpose sometimes they're on accident but we sin the awesome thing is we have a God who's great and he forgives us with these elements. Guys, you can take time to ask for forgiveness in anything you've made a mistake on. Or to simply thank God for his forgiveness and things that he's already forgiven you for. if you would now take the element that symbolizes Jesus' body in your head. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19, we read, And he, Jesus, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which I have given to you. Do this in remembrance of me as we hold this, we can remember all that Jesus went through. All that he went through knowing the mistakes we were going to make. All that he went through knowing we would turn away from him time and time again. But he did it anyway. And he broke his body for us. And in his breaking, we have healing, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Thank God for that real quick. And then we'll take the element together. Next we have the element that represents Jesus' blood. I would recommend you shake it up first. And as you hold it, picture Jesus' blood as it spilled. And as gruesome and horrible as that was, that was the cure for us. He took our penalty so we didn't have to. And now the blood that we remember, each communion, we know that with his sacrifice, he wipes away every sin that we've ever committed and never will. So you can thank God for that and we'll take together. Dear Jesus, we're so thankful of the sacrifice you made for us. And we want to give you just a small piece of that back in our worship, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able to, if you would stand once again, we have a couple more songs that we want to sing to praise our God. song that might be new for some of you. It's called God Turn It Around. The theme that pastor's been preaching on recently has been breakthrough. And I love the lyrics to this song. In the chorus, it says, all of my hope is in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come in the name of Jesus. That's where we're going to find our breakthrough. You may is, will always do a breakthrough spiritually. And so, as we sing this song, you can go ahead and think about what that is you're looking through for breakthrough in. But in the end, the thing we need breakthrough the most is in our heart. And so I hope that you internalize that as well. Praying for breakthrough. I'm praying God come and turn this thing around. And God turn it around. And God turn it around. And God turn it around. around. I'm calling on the name that changes everything. God, turn it around, God, turn it around, God, turn it around, all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus, breakthrough will come. Turn it around, God, turn it around. I'm calling on the name that changes everything. God, turn it around, God, turn it around, God, turn it around. All of my hope is in the name. who will come come in the name the name of Jesus God turn it around 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 around. we know he's working every heart he is up to something he is up to something god is doing something right now he is up to something he is up to something god is doing something right now he is healing someone he is saving someone god is doing something right now he is healing someone he is saving someone. God is doing something right now. He is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing something right now. He is moving mountains, making a way for someone. Right God is doing something. Right one more time. He is moving mountains. Making a way for someone, God is doing something. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name. is only in you, Jesus. You be
0: seated this morning. Like Adrian said, we're preaching through breakthrough, and he alluded to this orange box over here. And I would encourage you, if there's an area in your life where you need breakthrough to happen in your life, I would encourage you to come over here, fill out these. We got just three by five cards over here. Write whatever it is that you're looking for breakthrough in this year and put it in the box. Don't put your name to it. We don't want your name on it, but we pray for the things in this box every single week. And I believe there is breakthrough coming for you. Amen? Amen. Okay. Well, one person believes that breakthrough's coming for his life. Breakthrough's coming for your life. Amen. Yeah. Breakthrough comes at a price. Breakthrough comes at a price. Uh, our salvation was the greatest breakthrough in, in history. And it came at an extremely high price. And there are things uh, that God will do as he longs to set us free and break through areas in our life. He will ask us to do things. Uh, and some of those things are difficult and challenging. Uh, if you've been part of our Bible study on Wednesday night, we know this, there's an expectation from God for you to do the impossible. <laughs> That's his expectation. God wants to put us in a place where you go, I can't do this, only through him can it be done. That's where God wants to put us. And today you might feel exactly there, like I'm already there, like it cannot be done. I need God to come through and break through in my life. So let's pray really quickly this morning as we get into the word. Lord, you want to break through into our lives. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, your word would guide us this morning, that you would speak to our heart. Lord, I pray that the anointing is present here this morning to preach your word effectively. That, Lord, words would just not be said, but, Lord, your word would be heard and applied to our lives. That, God, you are wanting to bring about resolution in our life. Where there is conflict, you're wanting to bring about peace. And, Lord, I pray this morning that we would hear the words you are saying and we would understand what it is you are asking us to do. What are the next steps to get the resolution that we need in our life, to begin to see the breakthrough that we need, especially in the area of relationships this morning, Lord? Lord, I pray that God you would touch our minds, our hearts, and our souls. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, "Amen." Amen. The title of my message this morning is "Go in Our Separate Ways." Well, there's nothing like starting off from a message saying like, "Okay, well, we're just going to go in two different directions," but that's exactly where our scripture will take us. But I heard this story and I thought I'd share it with you this morning. How many of you like to fly? How many of you would rather do just about anything else than board a plane with people that you don't know? I used to love to fly when I was young. Not so much now. Uh, Not an enjoyable thing. Um, As passengers boarded a plane from Los Angeles to New York, there would be a layover in Dallas. One of the passengers that boarded in Los Angeles Told one of the flight attendants, ma'am, I am extremely tired. I did not sleep much last night. Would you please wake me up and make sure I get off in Dallas? The flight attendant looked at him and said, I will absolutely do that, sir. It's not a problem. I will get you up and, and we'll make sure you get off in Dallas. The flight takes off, it lands in Dallas, it then goes on to New York. The plane lands in New York, and this gentleman is still on the plane. He wakes up. He is furious. Goes to the flight attendant, gives this flight attendant a piece of his mind. I can't believe you're going to, I can't believe you didn't wake me up. I had an important meeting in Dallas. I can't believe, and leaves. Another flight attendant goes over to her and says, man, that guy was angry. The flight attendant looks back over to the other person and says, if you think he's angry, you should have seen the person that I got off the plane in Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) Miscommunication can lead to some huge problems. (laughs) Amen, right? Uh, How many of you ever been there? Miscommunication can lead to big problems. We're going to see in Acts chapter 15 that there is definitely some miscommunication. And I just want to let you know that God, God uses imperfect people. Every character in the Bible that we read about was Flawed. Every great person that has ever been a part of a breakthrough or a revolution in the church, or even a revelation in the church, since Acts chapter 1 has been flawed. In our Bible study on Wednesday night, we were going back over some of the huge history makers of the church over the last 2,000 years. And, and we can go back and we say, man, there were some things that they really did great. They really brought a breakthrough. But there was areas in every person's life where there was things that were not pretty. There were things that were ugly. But God, in his grace, uses imperfect people. And we need to remember that. God uses imperfect people, but God himself is perfect. And when we see God, sometimes we see a lot of the characteristics of God in people. But we have to remember, we're all flawed. We are an imperfect mirror. Of God's love. We want to be as close to Jesus as we can, but we will all be flawed in some form or fashion. And I just want to tell you, Paul was the second best minister in the world. He came second only to Jesus. Um, I mean, look at what he did. He wrote a majority of the New Testament. We didn't have Paul. We would not have the church like we have it today. God raised up a man, but he raised up a man who was flawed, and we're going to see some of his flaws today and in the coming weeks. But just because he's flawed doesn't mean that God didn't use him. And just because you're flawed doesn't mean that God won't use you. Now, we should not use that as an excuse to say, God uses imperfect people, so I should not work on myself. No! (laughs) There are a lot of scriptures that would tell us the opposite, that we should continue to be a work in progress. We should be continually asking the Lord, What changes are you asking me to make? What are we working on in my life today, this week, this month, this year? Because we want to make progress in our relationship with Jesus. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 36. Now remember that Uh, Where we picked up last time in Acts chapter 15, there was a big hullabaloo because we had people who were saying, you had to do certain things to get saved, circumcision being one of them. There was this whole thing about trying to split the church into two classes, those who would come to Christ that are Jewish and those who would come to Christ that's everybody else. But the church said, no, 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 this is not the heartbeat of God. What Jesus taught us was that salvation is for the masses. It's for everyone. And we do not want to make it difficult for people to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we will not put these stipulations on people. Jesus came to set people free. And so this is sometime after that had taken place. So we see in verse 36, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. This is a great idea because Paul and Barnabas had gone on a multi-year journey, a missions trip that took several years, uh, up to two and a half years, as they traveled to areas that had never heard the gospel before. And they took the gospel message and they saw great fruit and they witnessed great hardships. Uh, so those things kind of can go together. You can be in the midst of great hardships and at the same time see great fruit that God is doing in and through your life. So this is a great idea to go back on a second trip. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take to take him because he had and had not. And early on into the stages of the trip before it even really got difficult, John Mark left. Now we are not told why John Mark left this left the droop. Was he homesick? Was it getting too difficult? Was there an issue in his family? Did he get word that there was somebody who was sick and he had to go back? We don't know. But what we do know is that Paul was greatly offended by the fact that John Mark left. Now this happened years ago. So we're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of five to seven years since this has happened. And Paul is still holding on to this he still has issues. He still has issues. Verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took John Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Uh, and comm- uh, Sorry, let me read that again. But Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria, Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So here they are, these guys who are best friends. They have been through thick and thin. And Barnabas, they're having this conversation. They're like, hey, we should, we should go back. Let's go and see. Let's go and see, see the people that we, we, we visited. And let's see if, if the, the churches that we planted are still in existence and how they're doing. And they were excited about this opportunity, but... Here you've got Barnabas, and he was related to John Mark, by the way, so he might have a little bit of bias here. But we also know that Barnabas is this guy who's known as the great encourager. He he sees past people's flaws, and he sees the potential. And so when he looked at John Mark, he still knew, this is a guy who still has great potential for ministry. Paul looked at him and said, that dude's a loser. He left us. We're not taking him with us now. And the word here used for, for the disagreement that got so bad, it has the, when you go back to the actual Greek language, it has a connotation that is shattered. Shattered. Now, sometimes we think shattered is like the vase that falls over, but, you know, the vase falls over. How many of us have ever broken a vase? How many of us have ever glued the vase back together? How many of us have never told our mom, and we're confessing right now for the first time, and are going to get a phone call this afternoon? Uh, Mom, that white vase that's in your china cupboard, yeah, you might want to look a little close. That has been glued back together twice. Um, (coughs) Yep. Uh, Confession time, right? Good for the soul. Um, We think that's shattered, but that is not the the picture given here. Um, I have a device in my car. If we ever get, you know, your car gets flipped upside down or stuck in water, I have one of those devices that'll cut your seatbelt. But there's also a, a sharp piece. You hold it up to your window, you squeeze and it will hit the glass, and glass, in your, it shatters. You're not putting that back together. It's itty-bitty little pieces. There is no way you're putting that back together unless you've got a computer that's going to do it because it's, it's, it's impossible. That's the type of shattered we're talking about here. This relationship in this moment is shattered by this. But how good is our God? That he would take something that's shattered, and he would still put his hand to it, And he would bless both groups to be able to continue to do ministry. Now, I'm going to be very clear. Multiplication is always better than division. A church that multiplies is a good, awesome thing to do. A church that multiplies, doubles itself, expands, that's awesome. A church that divides is not a good thing. (laughs) If your church is growing because you're dividing and you can't get along, there is a root, core, and problem that has to be dealt with. And while this started off with the vision, we do know, we do know much later on, years from now, that Paul's view of both Barnabas and John Mark changes. Now, we are not given any clue to, to really how that happened. Timothy coming to life, and he began to see what happened in a very different, different context. That's my personal thought, but we're not really given much clues on how this healing was dealt with. But I just know this, that, God wants us to be healthy and whole. And he wants us to do things in a good way, a great way. And we'll get more into this next week, but Paul is really, next week's message kind of just ties right into where we're at today. This is going to lead into it. Uh, We're going to talk about trauma. And Paul was a traumatized person. You might go, I've never heard about that. How, How could he not be traumatized? He shows up in Lystra. He's preaching the word of God. They drag him out, they stone him, and they leave him for dead. I'm sorry, but you're going to be traumatized from that. I don't care who you are. Like, sometimes we, we, view, we view these people in scriptures, and we don't think of them in the, in the psychological text. Like, what was going through their mind? Because they had to deal with things because they were just like you and me. And how some of us have some trauma in our life that we've not dealt with. And next week, we're going to dive into that and go, how do we deal with trauma in our life? And how do we begin to move forward? How do we, how do we go from being a victim to being an overcomer? And I'm just going to tell you, the church needs to understand this word, process. Because in a lot of our minds, here's how we think that God works. We like to treat him like a drive through window. We order at one, we pull around the corner, we pick it up, and there's our healing, and we're done. And yes, God can heal instantaneously. He can do that. And I would say a lot of times externally, we've seen miracles where there's healings externally. When God heals you internally, it usually takes quite a bit of time and it takes a process. There may be moments of acceleration. You might have a breakthrough at an altar or at a conference or in a church service where the word of God is spoken and there's this acceleration, right, of that healing or the launch like, you've ever seen a rocket go when that thing goes up and all that smoke, you know, is filling the platform? It's this acceleration, right? And we have that moment, but that rocket still has to travel somewhere. There's still a journey. And a he, our healing and our deepest healings is a process. And what we want to make sure we don't, we, what we don't do is we shortcut God and go, well, I had the initial launch. I had the acceleration. That's enough. no. God deserves the very best, and he deserves the very best out of us. And he doesn't just want to heal you a little bit. He wants to heal you all the way. That's one thing to talk about physical healing, but when it's psychological, emotional, and spiritual healing, those are are probably even bigger deals than physical healing. And God wants to bring healing to us in those areas in our life. Amen? We'll touch more on that next week. This morning, I want to talk about, and I know this is going to seem like a lot, but we're going to fly through these, okay? Nine lessons we can learn from this conflict. I know that's a lot, but you've got notes on your back. I haven't did the notes for you, so you can fill in you can fill in, in between them if there's things that, that hit you here. We're going to move pretty quickly. Number one, resolve conflicts in a way that brings the greatest glory to God. When we resolve conflicts in our life, it's just not about us resolving them. It's about giving God glory because he should be the center of our life. Often strong-willed leaders like Paul have a difficult time forgiving those who have lapsed, uh, had a lapse of faithfulness to their leadership. Barnabas tended to be more lenient as he was willing to grant clemency to Mark. When both leaders thought they were fighting for the Lord, they were actually contending for themselves ask the Lord to help you resolve conflicts in a way that brings the greatest glory to the Lord, demonstrates the highest wisdom and respect for each person, their gifts, their callings, and their spiritual maturity. So who was right? (laughs) Take teams. And as they left, it wasn't a handshake, it was probably another hand gesture from opposite boats as they went in different directions, because they're human. They're human. God wants to bring about the greatest glory. It's not about us being right. It's about him being right. And when we want him to be right, we should be able to look at the people we're having conflict with and go, Lord, at least help me to see their perspective. And yes, there are times where you'll have arguments with people who don't have the same biblical values as you. But it's still helpful to be able to understand where they're coming from. If we can see where they're coming from, it will help us bring about a resolution that's positive and brings glory to God. Amen? Number two, balanced resolutions. Christ's love triumphs over all. Conflicts when exercised through the power, or sorry, um, Christ's love triumphs over all conflicts. When exercised through the power of the Holy Spirit, God used Paul's sternness to bring Mark to a higher level of commitment. And the Lord used Barnabas to love and give Mark a sense of belonging and restoration. Without the Holy Spirit's leading, the harshness of a person like Paul degenerates into an abusive leadership. And the kindness of Barnabas leads to compromising softness in relationships. We've got to have both in our life. Ask the Lord to help you find a way to help people become spirit controlled so they're able to do, uh, so they're able to harness the good qualities of their God given personalities. Sometimes it's not one or the other, it's both. We need both. And sometimes we'll come along, somebody who's hurting, and we'll just be like, oh, we just got to play with kids' gloves and soften them up. And, just like, and that's all we ever do in their life. And you know what that person will end up doing? You're going to enable them. They're never going to change. They're never going to transform. Because you're just always, oh, yeah, we're just going to go along this whole time. I'm never going to let go. I'm never going to let go of the seat. It's like a kid trying to ride a bike. If you never let go of the seat, they're never really going to ride the bike. They're going to be 35 going, mom, grab a hold of the seat. You got to run with me, mom. I'm like, that's not going to work. And at the same time, you don't, want to be, you don't want to be so overpowering and put so much conflict and pressure on them that they feel like they can't survive. And that's where Paul was. He was like, good for nothing. This guy's never going to be involved in ministry. Can't have him on my ministry team. You got to have both. You got to, you got to, you got to have balanced resolution to your situations. It takes wisdom. It takes us to going, Lord, I need to be able to see this the right way. When do I love and encourage? And we all should love and encourage, but when do I also need to put my foot down and go, I'm sorry, this can't keep going on like this. Your kids live in your house for a period of time. And sometimes when they're adults, they have to come back home because of things happen. And that's great. But at some point in their life, they should exit the nest. Right? Because if they don't, it's not healthy. We want to encourage that. We want to encourage them to get out there, find a job, to do these things. But we don't want to enable them. If you've got somebody 35 years old staying at your house and they don't know how to do their laundry, stop doing their laundry for them and show them where the detergent is and how the buttons work on the machine. All right? I sometimes I do my daughter's laundry, but let me tell you something. She knows how to use the laundry machine. All right? Because guess what? Mom and dad aren't always going to be there. I don't want you wearing smelly clothes all the time. All right? Learn how to use the machine. Is that making sense? Are we all on the same page? All right, good. Three, be willing to give it a second try. Mark could have just said, forget this. Now, I'm going back home, maybe he bailed church benefits i'm walking away from the savior but instead he said you know what i'm still in this thing i'm willing to go back and give it another try and thank goodness for a barnabas that says hey you know what it didn't work out the first time but i still see that god's doing something in you let's go again and let's see what god would do this time now i'm sure there was a conversation between barnabas and john mark like are you really in (laughs) Like, hey, 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 you know, we're going to get to the first exit. Don't jump off of the boat and swim back to shore once we leave, all right? I'm sure there was that conversation. But kudos to John Mark who said, I'm not giving up. God still has a plan for me. Maybe he messed up, maybe he didn't. We don't have enough details to really assess that. And maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've gotten burned by a church, burned by a relationship. So you're like, well, you know what? No more. I'm just flying on my own. I'll go to church, but I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to connect with people. Yeah, guess what? All of us are imperfect. And there are times where we will have conflict because we are people. Everybody has bad hair days. It happens. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You need relationships in your life. The Bible tells us that. The Bible says you need to be part of a healthy church. That can help you, to encourage you, to bring you together, to have fellowship, to hear the word of God, to be inspired, to help you dream your dreams. We need the church. And so if you've been burned in the past, be willing to give it a second try. Okay, well, I was involved in a ministry and it didn't go well. Well, not every ministry is going to succeed. Now also, if you have started 36 ministries and none of them lasted past the first week, we might need to do some reevaluation of how we're plugging and launching you into ministry, okay? Because somebody has not come alongside of you and said, we need to team you up and just have you slow down a little bit so that this is more healthy, amen? We've got to be balanced too. But let's give it a second try. Number four, the Lord's ability to work all things together for His good. He took two guys who were totally messed up, who ended up going in separate directions, took, had took different partners with them, and God's hand was on both of them. And God used them in great ways. God has a way of taking tragedy and turning it into a blessing. We don't always see it. We don't always see it. We can't see past the, the crisis, we can't see past the hurt, we can't be see past the pain. But God has a way of turning around if we let him. And kudos to these guys. While they they didn't launch on the best of terms, they were at least allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to them and to do things. And believe me, next week we'll talk about this. Paul had to have a moment of reconciliation with God. There had to be a moment where God had him confront the trauma of his past and go, we got to deal with this because you are not going to be able to be any good to me unless we deal with this. We're going to read through the lines a little bit, but it's there. It's there. So listen, when you're facing things that are crazy and ridiculous, and you're going, well, no good can come from this, don't put God in a box. He can turn it around like that song this morning. He can turn it around. Ask the Lord to help you focus on God's miraculous promise to work all things together for good, despite our human limitations and our human limitation of perception specifically. We can't always perceive it, but God can do it. Number five, clarify how much individual or circumstantial factors are contributing to the conflict. No dispute is caused by one individual or situational condition. Most conflicts result from a complex interaction of multiple factors, For the do. Ask the Lord to help you to remember what we are commanded to do. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. James 1, 2, and 3. I shared last week about this church, this pastor that I knew that uh, went and he he took a church, to revitalization project. It was a tough church. He's there his very first week. They're having a potluck. All of a sudden, the church splits because the kid ran downstairs. They were having a potluck. And he grabbed a hot dog and was eating a hot dog before they prayed. And literally, the church split that Sunday. Pastor's there for the first Sunday. The church splits down the middle over a hot dog and the fact that they didn't pray for the meal and the kid's eating the hot dog. There were a whole lot of problems before the hot dog. The church did not split over a hot dog. And that pastor thought to himself, Lord, what have you gotten me into? Half my church just walked out the door over a hot dog. We had a very long conversation on the phone that afternoon. That's crazy. Because stuff was not being addressed. It had gotten to that point. And the hot dog was the tipping point. Next week we're gonna have a potluck. We are not gonna divide the church. Over tacos and nachos, and we're gonna pray up here before we go downstairs. But when you look at Paul, I tend to have this feeling that, that, yes, Paul had issues with John Mark, but I don't think all the issues he had was about John Mark. I think he put a lot of things on John Mark that weren't John's marks to bear. Because it's interesting, they really did not run into any conflict until after John Mark left. Luke, Luke, and Luke is the person who write, writes Acts. And do we know what Luke did before he became a disciple? He was a doctor, a physician. I think there's a little psychological hat going on, Luke. He's given us just enough information for us to look at this and go, oh, there's some other issues here. John Mark leaves, and right after that, what we see in Scripture is conflict. They ran into issues and issues, and issues. Then they get to Lystra, and Paul is dragged out and left for dead. But thank goodness for the praying church. I've got to wonder if some of the trauma that Paul experienced, he pushed on to that relationship with John Mark. We need to be careful that we don't do that. We need to be careful that we don't do that. What's the real issue to your problem? What's really going on? Here's what a lot of people tend to do. There's an issue going on in them, and they will try to take on everything else. They'll see problems in everything else. 20-plus years of ministry experience, here's what I've learned. When somebody comes into my office and they have a laundry list of everything that everybody is doing wrong in the church or around the church or anything, there is very seldom anything going on with those issues there is a bigger issue that they're not addressing. I mean, almost every single time. Almost every single time. We've gotta be able to be grown up and go, what is the real conflict in my life? And let's address that. Number six, don't poke the bear. When you're having conflict with somebody, especially somebody that you know, Paul and Barnabas knew each other. They had been a ministry team for a long time. They knew the ins and outs, and I guarantee you, they knew how to poke the buttons. They knew what to say to get underneath the other person's skin. If Adrian and I are having conflict, it is not fair for me to fight dirty and poke the bear and get personal. This shouldn't be personal. We are called by God to do a mission. Here is the mission. Great. I want to take this person. Well, I don't know if I want to take that person. And instead of just coming to some type of resolution, it blows up into a shattering event. I guarantee you, that it was sh- Listen, poke the bear. Okay. I get it. Your husband did not put the toilet seat down after tinkle time. Okay? You can tell him that. It's okay. But don't go punch, push the bear, don't poke the bear about all the things that your husband has never done right since you've been married 27 years. That's not going to fix the toilet problem. All right? Address the issue for what it is. When we're, deal- when we're dealing with people, when we're dealing with people, you got to go, how do we bring about the resolution? Making more problems is not a good way to bring about resolution. <laughs> We've been working as a board on several different things. I, I made a comment a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I said, we have enough conflict coming our way. We don't need to make some for ourselves. <laughs> like As we're making decisions and choices, we should not be making ones that are like, hey, this could cause more problems for us. <laughs> like that, that, That's not smart leadership. So realize that. Don't poke the bear unless... And, Unless God absolutely tells you to, and I'm going to tell you this, 98% of the time, God does not tell you to poke the bear. All right? Number seven, surrender. This is one we all seem to struggle with. Give your frustrations, your disappointment, your hurt feelings over to the Lord instead of harboring those feelings of anger. Unless we to turn our anger and fear to God, we are prone to self-destruction, attitudes and behaviors. Uh form patterns that are not healthy for us. We need to learn how to confess our sins regularly uh, and and be able to go, Lord, I have sins in my life of commissions, things I've done, omissions, things I didn't do, um, places of disappointment in my life, places where I have made faulty assumptions, all these different things. We need to get to a place where we are regularly talking to the Lord about those things, Not not to belittle us, not to tear us down, but so that the Holy Spirit can build us up and go, yes, okay, you are not thinking about this right, but now let's think about it properly. Get to a place where we are regularly communing with the Holy Spirit and the Lord and allowing him to just come in and clean house to surrender our mind and our heart to the Lord. Number eight, avoid using past conflicts or mistakes of others as weapons against others. We got a big problem because we get into a relationship, the relationship goes south, something happens. And I'm just not, not talking about, about uh, relationships and marriage, but this works in that context as well. Uh, and we'll have a relationship that goes bad with a boss, with a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And then we've got baggage from that relationship. So instead of unpacking that baggage and going, how did we get into this place in the first place? We just zip the bag up, put it on our bag, get to the next relationship, and then put that baggage on that person and go, you're messed up because of my last relationship. What? How is that working? But we do it all the time. We do it all the time. I went on a missions trip one time with the church, and it was so horrible, I'll never go on another missions trip. Why are you putting the baggage of your last church on this church? Oh, I, I don't believe in board members because I had a board member that mistreated me and did all this one stuff in another church, and so I don't believe in board members altogether. Stop putting your baggage from a past relationship on people in your new life. Did God, does God's word talk about new wineskins and new wine? Yes. Yeah. So what are you doing with the old wineskins? Because they ain't good for anything, so leave them. Unpackage that stuff. If you had a relationship that went south, why did it go south? And look, you gotta you gotta not just go. Well, here's all my thoughts and my feelings. You have to be able to actually look at this, back over this relationship. How did some situations early on in our relationship for myself? So this thing this thing just went on a downhill downward spiral after that. To be able to look at it and just be able to just process it. It's important for us to be able to do. So avoid putting your conflicts, your past mistakes, and weaponizing them against people that you're having relationships with today. Because the people you have relationships with today have enough wrong with them on their own. They don't need somebody else's wrong stuff in their life too. Amen? I gotta, there's enough things wrong with me as me. I, I don't need your past pastor's problems as well. All right? I've got enough wrong with me that God needs to fix. Number nine. And this is the big one that I want to talk to you about today. I want to take just a few moments and then we'll get ready to close. It's simply called Stop. Maybe the greatest tragedy in this passage of scripture is the fact that Paul never stopped to evaluate the process. Paul was a man who had a mindset, Jerusalem was a launch pad. If there was some place that needed preaching, if there was someone who had not heard the gospel, we're going! We're going. And that's great and good, but there's also some negative to that. There's also some negative to that. Because you need to be able to stop and process things and evaluate things, especially when you are wounded and you are hurt. Eventually, he did this. We know this because the scriptures talk about the fact that he commends John Mark later in scripture, both him and Barnabas. So there was restoration that took place at some point, and it probably took a period of time, but we're not given the insight to that. But I do wonder this. I wonder how much more effective Paul could have been had he taken time to process his pain instead of just continuing to push forward. Could it have been better? Could it have been better than what it was? Look, I know that there are people in this room today you've not taken time to process things because we've been taught both by by generations in the past and because of unhealthy church teachings. Well, you just suck it up. You just push it. Take all these feelings, emotions, hurts, pains, frustrations. Just push them down and worship Jesus. I'm just going to tell you, there is a point where no more pain and hurt can fit in these vessels. Do you know what happens at that point? It all comes spewing out on everybody else, and that's not healthy, and that's not worship. Here's the fact that if you are wounded and you just continue walking and keep going and keep running, eventually you will bleed out, and you will spiritually die. Now, the tough thing about that is when we push and we say we're going to continue to do ministry, here's what happens. Your ministry fails, and what you're trying to do by bringing about healing and love and all these things, you actually can end up doing the opposite and you can cause more harm in people's lives. When you don't take time to allow God to heal the wounds in your life, I was a part of two dysfunctional churches. The first one was a split of a split of a split. I was told by our superintendent when I was taking this position as a staff pastor, we highly encourage you not to go there. This is my first staff position. I'd been an intern at a church. i have been a part of a program called Master's Commission, but this was my first staff position at a church besides being an intern. They called me up and said, we highly recommend you do not go here. This church has a history of chewing pastors up and spitting them out. I was there nine years. I outlived a lot of the people <laughs> that had bad attitudes. And listen, life was like this uh, it's our way or the highway. <laughs> because that church, I still abandoned the church. But my goodness, in years, I got very wounded and I was bleeding out in a lot of places. Now, I believe that God had called me there for a season, but I learned a lot of what not to do in ministry. I can tell you that. I was there, I came on staff, I was there for, for all of, I think, two weeks on staff, when in the middle of youth group, a man walks in, and, and uh, Royal Rangers, who used to have Royal Rangers, uh, which is kind of like Christian Boy Scouts, comes, comes walking in, and he begins to cuss and swear at me. Uh, this is a leader in our church, <laughs> cussing and swearing at me, telling me that he's going to go beat my bleepity bleep bleep in the parking lot. Like I'm like, he's using words I don't even, have never even heard of. I thought, this guy's off his medication. No, he's just mad because he feels like I'm gonna pour into these young people. I'm like, what is the deal, man? I got hired as the youth pastor, that's my job. I'm like, I was so confused, only to find out two years later that this guy was taking these boys on trips, yelling, screaming at them, taking their possessions, throwing them into the lake, destroying them, telling them, hey, you don't tell your parents that, I'll just tell them that you did it, and all I'm dead serious, this person should have never been in ministry. And that's what we dealt with all the time. After nine years of that, the Lord, I, I resigned that position. I went to another church where we dealt with another issue. In that church, it was primarily this. It was, hey, if as long as we look good on the outside, we're okay. We can be a mess on the inside. We just got to project that everything's okay. And can I tell you, that church was a mess. Now, both churches had some good people in them. I want to be very clear on that. We had a a staff pastor that came on staff with us while I was there in that church, the second church I was at. Uh, Very much first wanted my job and then eventually wanted the pastor's job uh, when I'm just too stubborn to leave um, and would would not listen to the pastor, would not take his advice. He should have been fired. Um, he was causing all sorts of internal conflicts. But here's what this guy did. He came in. He got to be friends with all the people that were financially giving to the church in big ways and had them all wrapped up in his finger, and he just manipulated. And to be honest with you, the church really was not good for anything. I hated going to the church office. None of us got along. I was like, this isn't ministry. (laughs) I did that for six years. There were some good times. I mean, Jeff and I were on staff. Jeff's not here today. He's traveling, but Jeff and I were together doing college ministry. I loved, I loved officing out of the college. Two days a week, I would be at the college. I loved it. And then I would two days a week, I would have to go into the, the church offices, and I, I resented it because I just saw we weren't doing what the Word's held us to do. There was never any resolution, we were hurting people. It drove me crazy. It drove me crazy. And at the end of that season, I came to a place where I knew I needed to resign became very obvious. God had spoke to me in January. I said, you're going to need to resign. And, and eventually I did. Uh, a few weeks later, it became clear that this was the moment that I needed to step out. And so we resigned, had no idea where we were going to go. I was friends with uh, the superintendent. He said, oh man, you're going to find a church, no problem, really quickly. But God had spoken to me and said, no. He said, we're going to take the long way around because you've got to stop and you have got to let me heal you. Because you did nine years in this church, you did six years in this church, and you are bleeding out. And if you keep doing ministry the way you're doing it, you're gonna cause more hurt than you are healing. And I got a secular job, I worked for the college, and I went to a church and I talked with that pastor and I said, I just need a place to get healed. And you've met that pastor, Pastor John and Amanda, Olson, they've been here. They've spoken a couple times in our church, and I'm so grateful for him. And I said, I can't pulpit fill. I have people calling me asking me to pulpit fill, and I I can't. And I talked to Pastor Johnny. Said all you need to do is just sit. I was supposed to do, but I knew, I knew from this church. And can I tell you, I didn't even want to come because I was like, I'm still wounded, I'm still messed up. Yeah, I'm experienced healing, but I'm still. I'm not right yet. Pam goes, we're supposed to put our names in here. We came out, we met, we fell in love with you guys. And it's still, I remember sitting, going to that office over there and you guys took the vote that day. And I remember thinking to myself, Lord, I just don't want to hurt these people because I'm still broken. (laughs) And I just remember saying, Lord, I need to know that this is you and not me, that, that I'm ready to get back in the game and that my healing can still happen as I move forward at this point. And the vote came back 100%. Pastor Pavia and Greg Dyke, who was the leader of the community at that moment, said they had never seen that in their ministry. Amen. And that was God's sign to me to get back in the game. My, huge, my, my largest moment of healing beyond that was with several, several of you remember this. Uh, we put in the church sign out here, and that was a fiasco because I was told that there was two feet of concrete underneath that sign. And so we go to dig it out, and we dug halfway to China. <laughs> and Dave Soler's got his bobcat out there. It's disappearing, going in the trench for this <laughs> church sign. It's still going down deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm freaking out. Nobody knew this, but I am freaking out because in the church, first church I was at, if that would have happened there and I was in charge of that project, I would have been fired because that was the, that was the mindset of the people that I ministered to. And nobody here even batted an eye. And I remember getting up the Sunday after that thinking that you guys were gonna fire me <laughs> because that's what I had been used to. That's what I grew up in. And we stopped the whole service, and people came up and prayed for me. And can I tell you, not only was that a healing moment for your pastor, it was a healing moment for this church, because this church was at a place at that point in time that it was so hurt. It's like God had to just stop everything and just go, before we do ministry, let's just all get healed. And look, it's just not me. Robbie said I could share this story this morning. Robbie went through a similar situation. Right before I came here, uh, over eight years ago, Robbie went through a divorce that just, it was ugly. Uh, and, And Robbie would be the first person to tell you that there was stuff on both sides. But Robbie was devastated. And he just had to stop. He laid his credentials down. He let the pastoral stuff go. He let the ministry stuff go. And he just came in, he just sat for a season. And I worked with him for probably three years before we felt like it was time to start moving things forward again. Every season's different. I can't tell you how long you need to sit, but I can tell you this if you're bleeding, God loves ministry. Our church is about doing ministry but God cares about you. And God is not calling you to bleed out on the journey to do ministry. God wants to heal you so that your ministry is effective. Somebody needs to hear this today. There's no music today. Somebody, just, you just need to hear these words. He loves you. And you are enough. You do not have to do ministry for God to love you. And let God heal you. And let him decide how long you have to sit on the bench before you get back up. Because if you don't, the very thing you're trying to do, you will do the opposite of. I want to pray for you this morning. Church, would you do this? Can you just stand to your feet this morning? I know we we took a really quick turn here at the end of this message. God wants you healthy, amen? Do you believe that? It is a difficult thing to go from the place where you know you need that to begin to go, the stuff that I have pushed down and not dealt with has got to come up. It, it has to be exposed. It has to be drawn out. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That can be painful. It can be difficult. It can be emotional. But I am going to tell you it is worth it. Church, I stand before you eight years after that period of sitting on the bench. I am healthy before my God, and it is life-changing. We have a healthy Church, not a perfect church, we have a healthy church because we sat on the bench for a while and let God heal us as a church. If you're here this morning and you're wounded, God wants to heal you. God may have you sit for a while. You may not be able to do the things that you want to do. It's not because He's punishing you, it's because God wants to fulfill you. He wants to make you whole to be able to do ministry effectively. Lord, this morning, Lord, as we start a process of healing, as you speak to us and as your Holy Spirit moves in this house, that God, I pray that we would be wise, we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, we would stop trying to just move things forward, we would stop trying to just push things down, we would stop trying to avoid the issues, and Lord, we would just man and woman up and go, we are called by God to be more than conquerors. The greatest thing we need to conquer is some of the own stuff in our life that needs to be unpacked and dealt with. Lord, I pray for those things that are hidden, those things that are pains, those, those issues, whether they are sin or whether they are wounds, that, God, it is time for healing and breakthrough to happen. Lord, we don't want anybody to bleed out in this church. Lord, we want to be effective in ministry. We want to do ministry. We want this place to be a launchpad to say, we want to go and do and reach the community. But at the same time, Lord, we are not called to work wounded. We are called to work whole in the kingdom. And Lord, I pray that healing would begin to bust out in this church. A deeper healing than we've ever experienced. As we go deeper into your word, as we deal with trauma and some of the psychological stuff in our minds, that Lord, over the next few weeks, there would just begin to be healing in areas for people, that Lord, they would just begin to have the tools to be able to unpack some of the things they have to deal with. Lord, we're going to be whole. We are going to be well. And we are going to have ministry that absolutely rocks out of this church because your people are being made whole and because we're taking the time to spend time with you and to deal with our wounds, to conquer our sins. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. I know it's a little different ending to the service, uh, right? But I, I just want it to be real, just as real and authentic as we possibly can be. We're going to have a great week this week. We've got Wednesday night Bible study. If you want to join us, I'll send out the link online. Tomorrow is that funeral. You can come here uh, if you want to see it at 11 o'clock. Next Sunday, it's taco nacho Sunday, right? Sign up in the foyer. We're not going to have a church split. Amen? Amen. 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 We're going to pray before we eat the nachos. Uh, It will all be good. And we're going to deal with trauma next week. So I pray you come, give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, Amen. amen. Have a great week, church.